0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين وعن ابي حنيفه رضي الله عنه انه قال رايت بلال يؤذن واتتبع ها هنا وها هنا واصبعاه في اذني أَحْمَدُ <laughs> From the Hadith of Abu Juhayfa that he said, I saw the lavi adhan. I saw the, the adhan. And I followed his mouth, meaning that his mouth was moving from side to side. Over here and over there. And he would move his mouth from side to side and his two index fingers were inside of his ears. And this is narrated by Imam Ahmed and he declared to be Sahih. This hadith gives us two or three important issues. And we're going to try and move quite quickly to these hadith today because they are relatively minor issues. The first one is uh, that when binal would give the Adam, and in some of the other narrations it mentions particular place of the annad, a particular place of the annad, and that is حِيلَ الصَّلاةِ حِيلَ He would move his head from side to side. He would move his head from side to side. Most, uh, or at least the the well-known opinion, is that he doesn't move his body, and that's it. And there's an issue of اِنْتِلاف in this among the different مَلَائِكَةِ. And the uh, well known addition of Muhammad al-Madhab is that he doesn't move his body, but he moves his, his head. So he doesn't move his body like this, but he moves his head from side to side during the statement, Hayla al al starting with the right-hand side and the left-hand side. And some of the scholars said, twice to the right, and al twice to the left. And some said, Hayyah al-Salaam, Hayyah al-Salaam, Hayyah al-Falaam, Hayyah al-Falaam. And he wants to the right, wants to the left, wants to the right, wants to the left. In any case, it's the head that moves. The second thing, or well, first of all, what is the reason why we move the head at this time? What is the meaning of Hayyah al salah Hayyah al falah The meaning of Hayyah al salah is come to the prayer. Hay Alfada come to or rush to or you know like move yourself towards success. So this is a call to the people. Ya iuhaldalina aman Ya iuhaldina amun staji wurillahi <laughs> waliu rasuli lima limayuhimu or you believe, answer the call of Allah, and His Messenger, when they call you to that which will give you life. So it's a call. It's a call out. It's calling out to people to come to the prayer. And so it's appropriate to call out to all of the people present in the various directions. So they all hear the adhan for <speaking in> the direction. Hayya al hayya al wa al salah hayya al salah hayya al-falah, hayya. Uh, <coughs> the second issue we have to deal with is putting the fingers in the ears and This is a sunnah uh, or from the sunnah is to put the fingers in the ears regardless of whether you're using a microphone or not regardless of whether you're giving the ala inside or outside and perhaps the wisdom behind this is two things number one to raise the voice of the muhal because there's no doubt before, if you get in the ears you speak with a louder voice. And the second thing some of the scholars mentioned is that it is like a visual symbol that the Adhan is being given for those people who can't hear the Adhan or those people, for example, they're too far away or maybe they are deaf. So they can't hear the Adhan being given but they can see the Mu'alvin in a particular position with his fingers in his ears and facing the qibla, so they know that the time for the Adhan has come so primarily it's to raise the sound of the voice but it's also a visual symbol that the Adhan is being given for somebody who maybe is deaf or somebody who is too far away to hear the Adhan but they can see the Mu'adhli standing on the roof of the masjid or standing on the minbar, and they can see that he has his fingers in his ears so they know that this is the time of the Adhan those are the main points that we need to that we need to bear in mind. There's an extra uh, couple of wordings on the next stage. Where you imagine Ja'ala إسرائيل Fi from the narration of Ibn Majan that he put his fingers, إسرائيل, the meaning of fingers is the index finger, into his ears. لَمَّا بَلَضَاحْيَ عَلَى الصَّلَاةِ يَمِينًا وَشُمَالًا وَلَمْ يَسْتَدِرْ وَأَصْلُهُ تُصَّحِيْحِ And Abu Dawood said, لَوَا عُلُوَاهَا He twisted his neck. Not that he turned his body. وَلَمْ يَسْتَدِرْ He did not turn his body. And he didn't turn his body from one side to the other but he would twist his neck from one side to the other when he reached حَيَّةْ عَلَى الصَّلَىٰ يَمِينًا to the right, and then to the left. And that would indicate that حَيَّةْ al is to the right, and then حَيَّةْ al is to the left, and then حَيَّةْ the al is to the right, and then حَيَّةْ عَلَى to, the right to the left. And Allah is the most best. And the origin of this hadith is in the Sahihim Bukhari and from Abi Mahdura, Abu Mahdura is the Muaddin of the Messenger of Allah in Makkah. That the Messenger or that the Prophet was impressed by his voice. So he taught him the Adhan. It's so narrated by We mentioned that this was during the conquest of Makkah and we mentioned that um, there were a group of them playing and because they had never heard the Adhan before so they were copying the Adhan like children, like young people young young kids just playing around and they were copying the Adhan because they never heard the Adhan before when the conquest of Makkah happened and the Adhan was being given they never heard the Adhan, so they were playing around and they were copying the Adhan and when the Prophet Sallallahu heard Al-Mahnuwa playing and copying the adhan, so he uh, called him and he instructed him to, or he taught him how to give the adhan. Uh, There are a couple of benefits from this hadith that we need. One is, uh, or two particular benefits that are very important. Number one, it is appropriate to choose a mo'adhim with a beautiful voice. That's the first point. It's appropriate to choose a mo'adhim with a beautiful voice. And if there are two people competing for the Adhan, then you choose the one that has the most beautiful voice. And that's because it has an effect on people. And wallahi how many people have become Muslim by hearing the Adhan. It has an effect on people, on their hearts. A beautiful voice has an effect on someone. And that's why having a beautiful voice is more to be considered in the Adhan and in the recitation of the Quran also. That if you have two Imams and both of them are hafiz of the Quran and both of them are knowledgeable about the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, then it is befitting to choose the one with the most beautiful voice. And the scholars have a lot of discussion about the order of that according to the different issues. But definitely, one of the things that we consider is the beauty of the voice. Because the beauty of the voice affects people's hearts and it makes people have for sure, it makes people concentrate. And it brings people to the prayer. When you have a beautiful Ma'er and you hear the Adhan, it makes you want to go to the prayer. So it's appropriate to choose a Ma'er with a beautiful voice. That is providing the Ma'er fulfills the other conditions of the Adhan. He knows how to give the Adhan, he pronounces the words correctly and so on. But, you know, there is no harm uh, in choosing or from the Sunnah to choose a Ma'er with a beautiful voice. The second one. Is that it is befitting for a monaithin to beautify his voice for the adhan. and it's not something you know like maybe people would imagine that you should you know you should just say Allah Akbar Allah Akbar Allah Akbar Allah You should beautify your voice for the adhan. You should try to make it as beautiful as possible without going to extremes. Any of you who listen to. Sadly, you will hear many people who give the adhan going to extremes. They lengthen the word to such an extent that you can no longer hear the word because it's been lengthened so long. And there's no doubt in my mind that this is a bid'ah. Even if some of the scholars allowed it from the point of view of the adhan being heard, but there's no doubt this is a bid'ah. And there is a clear hadith from Abdullah ibn Umar, عنه, that he left a masjid, where the Adhan was being prolonged to this extent. Now we don't have a clear definition of what means what it means to prolong but definitely there are some things we do know is prolonging. Like for example where you can no longer hear the word. The word is lost because for the last like 30 seconds the water is just trimming his voice up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down and you can't even hear what the word is anymore. There's no doubt this is from the Bid'an uh, in regards to the Adhan and it's not befitting for a person to do, even though it has sadly become fashionable. Even in the Haramein it's become fashionable. To have an Advan that's sometimes so long that honestly you can't tell which word the more is the same anymore. Because it's so prolonged. Rather the adhan should be the words that are said. And there's no harm in prolonging it a little bit. There's no harm in lengthening it. So it's lengthened a little bit more than normal speech. But when it's lengthened to the extent that you can no longer listen to what the words are, and the mu'advin is making his voice so it's like a you know, like an opera singer, you know, like it's just being raised up and down and up and down and up and down and just basically showing how long the mu'advin can hold his breath for and how how long he can make his voice hurt. And this is not from the sunnah in anything. And Abdullah Al Qa'ala and other companions will abandon a message where this is the uh, we advise the people in general, make the Adhan beautiful, beautify your voice, make the Adhan longer than you would normally speak, but at the same time, don't go towards such an excess where the Adhan becomes this just, you know, huge, long thing that cannot be understood, the words cannot be heard, you can't hear what the mountain is saying, you just hear a long voice going up and down and up and down. So that's not the thing. And there's no harm in the Adhan being a little, a little long, but within the realm of what is allowed within the speech of the Arabs. Uh, and I personally prefer the opinion of the Hanifiyah in this, uh, and the Manikiyah, I believe, who keep the Adam relatively short. And I think it's stronger than the opinion of the Hanabilah who lent from the Adhan. Uh, but even the Hanabilah who lengthen from the Adam they still warn against the Adhan being this long. As Shaykh Ghazan explains this, he even also warns against the Alam, which is excessively long and excessively beautified to the point where it's no longer a word that is said but it's a voice that is heard. And that's something that should not be done. But there is a disagreement among the scholars, and if I remember rightly, I definitely remember the Hanafiya. But I, as I recall, it's the Hanafiya and the Malikya, and Allah is best, in which they shorten the and I mean they keep the adhan to pretty much the length that you would read if it was an ayah in the Qur'an. You know you would lengthen maybe la ilaha illallah and would lengthen to a certain extent but you would not, they would not lengthen it more than that. And the halabilah allow it to be lengthened to a medium extent. And they say there's no harm in lengthening it to a, to a medium extent without going to extremes. But even in that there is a certain, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't match well with the opinion or with the action of Abdullah So the Muhammad should beautify his voice, but it should not become excessive. اللَّهُ صَلَّى ونحن فِي الْمُنْتَفَقِي عَنِي عَبْلَسٍ رَبْيَ اللَّهُمْ عَنْكُمَ وَغَيْرُهُ وَغَيْرُهُ From chapter Ibn Samara that he said, I pray with the Prophet Sallallahu the two Eid prayers. Muslims only have two Eid prayers, Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha. We do not have Eid al or Eid al Watan or any other kind of Eid. We have Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha. And our prayers for Eid al fitr and Eid al-Adha are without the Adhan and without the Iqamah. Without any Adhan and without any Iqamah. And perhaps the reason behind that is that uh, the time for Eid prayers is well known. And you know the day before that it's going to be Eid, and you know the Eid Prayer is going to be after the sun rises, so you know that the Eid prayer is going to take place after Fajr, and then after the sun rises after Fajr up to the height of the spear. So it's quite easy to know when the time for the Eid prayer uh, is going to be. And so there is no and there is no alarm, and this hadith is narrated by Muslim. He said, "I prayed with the Prophet the two Eids." more than once or twice. More than once or twice. I and mean, I prayed more than, I didn't just pray once or twice with him, I prayed more than once or twice. And I had, and there was no adhan and no And the same is narrated in that which is agreed upon by Bukhari and Muslim from Ibn Abbas, رضي الله and others. فِي نَوْمِهِمْ عَنِ الصَّلَىٰ ثُمَّ أَدَّنَا بِلَادٌ فَصَلَّىٰ رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كَمَا كَانِ يَصْمَعُكُمْ لَيْرَىٰ رُوَىٰ مُسْتِهِمْ The next hadith that we have is a hadith of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم sleeping in for the Fajr prayer. And I'll just summarise it for you because it's a lot of hadith and the hadith is not mentioned here al-ha'ud 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 al al-ha'ud In the long hadith. He doesn't say, uh, <coughs> he doesn't mention the story, but he mentions that there is a long story. Briefly, the story is that the Prophet ﷺ was traveling at night for a long, extended journey. And when it came near to Fajr time, they became very, very, very tired and they took a rest. You know, maybe, I mean, it doesn't say how long before it could have been an hour, a couple of hours before. And the Prophet ﷺ asked Bilal to stay up. He said to Bilal, don't sleep, and you watch. When Fajr time comes, you give the adhan and we will all wake up. And presumably and they would like swap over and then Bilal would be able to rest, however it is. But the Prophet ﷺ said to Bilal, don't sleep, you stay up and watch for the Fajr. So Bilal stayed up and watched your Fajr until the time for Fajr almost came and he went to sleep. He was overcome by sleep, he was trying to watch your Fajr, and he got tired and he slept and they were woken up by the heat of the sun, the first person to wake up was the messenger of Allah and then he woke up his companions and he commanded them to move immediately from the valley that they were in because this valley was, the shaitan had come in this valley and the shaitan had presented himself in this valley that they were in and so they were told to move, so they moved just out of the valley and then Bilal gave the adhan. This is the point here. Bilal gave the uh, adhan and then the Messenger of Allah وسلم, prayed as he used to do every day. he prayed the two raka'ah of fajr, the two sunnah of fajr and then he prayed the farad of salah al-fajr. This hadith has a number of benefits uh, in it and a number of points that we have to make. The first thing is that whenever, or the first thing is that if, whenever a person sleeps in for a prayer or forgets about a prayer, they must pray that prayer as soon as they remember A person, who forgets a prayer, who sleeps in for a prayer, must pray that prayer as soon as they remember. There are a couple of really common mistakes we see in this. The first one is that we see a lot of people, uh, what they do is that they either delay the prayer till after sunrise, because they say now it's walked nehm, it's a forbidden time to pray, so I'm not going to pray at this time. Instead I'm going to pray uh, like at duha time. So the, the answer to that is that there is no nahi for a foul prayer. There is no forbidden time to pray a father. prayer. As soon as you realize it's time for Fajr, you missed Fajr, you pray Fajr the moment you wake up. You don't have your cereal and relax and take a, you know what, then sit for a while and then wait for the sun to rise and pray Fajr. You pray Fajr as soon as you wake up, as the Prophet وسلم, did. The fact that they moved from the valley this is something that was unique to the Prophet because it was revealed to him that Shaytan was present in the valley and therefore he moved. This is not something that is common to us that wherever we sleep in we move out of that area. This is something the Prophet was revealed to him from the light, from the unseen. It was revealed to him that the, that the, uh, the Shaytan was present in the valley and therefore the Prophet told the companions to move out of the valley. They immediately prayed. The next point is that he gave the adhan, and this is the purpose behind the hadith, that he gave the adhan for a missed prayer and the and then prayed to rakah and then gave the iqama for a mis and this is the sunnah. So if you are a group of people, as we said, the adhan for an individual is mustahab to do. It's mustahab for you to do the adhan if you are on your own, but it is part kifaya if you are in a, a group. So, if, for example, you miss Fajr as a group, as a household, as a family, as a group of friends, then you do the Adlan when you uh, wake up, and then you pray two Sunnah, which the Prophet will do, and then you do the Iqama and you pray the Fajr prayer. You do the Iqama and you pray the Fajr prayer. The other issue with this, and this is probably the most important issue in the hadith, even though it's not related to the topic, but it's probably the most important issue, is that there is no excuse for a person who does actions which would lead them to miss the fajr prayer. So a lot of people have this habit, and we've spoken at length about the bad habit of staying up late at night, which is what people do. Staying up late at night, usually doing haram some kind of haram, watching something haram, listening to something haram, going to somewhere haram, and then they come back and they miss al Fajr. This person is not like the Prophet wasallam. The Prophet had a reason to travel at night, he needed to travel quickly. Some military expedition, he needed to reach there quickly. When he had travelled as much as he could, he rested and he appointed somebody to watch for Fajr, and that person Allah اللَّهُ This is not the same as the person who goes out to a wall and comes back at 3 a.m. and then goes to sleep and misses Salat al-Fajr. This person is blameworthy. Nor is it the same as the person who misses Salat al-Fajr every week. Week after week after week after week after week after week after week. After week. They are missing Salat al-Fajr. This person is also guilty. This is for the person who does every effort to wait for Salatul al Fajr and one day sleeps in. You know what happens? You set your alarm, you go to bed, you're tired, you set your alarm, and your battery runs out. Your alarm doesn't go off, you don't hear the prayer, nothing. You get up an hour after fajr. This is the, the hadith applies to this person, not to the person who spends the time watching TV or watching movies and then goes to sleep half an hour before fajr and says, Oh, I'm excused like the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Another thing people do is delay praying Fajr until next Fajr time. This is also being common. People say, I'm going to miss Fajr. And I'm going to pray Fajr at next Fajr time. When the next Fajr comes, I'll pray the two Fajr. The one I missed and the one... Like they say that you have to wait for Fajr time to come again. So this is also not true. You pray Fajr immediately when you wake up. It's exactly the same as if you forget. It does happen. Sometimes you just forget. I mean, especially in places where there is no adam. you just forget about it. And maybe you're you're busy doing something, and you get, and then you think, Subhanallah, our time has gone, or the time changes. You know, what sometimes happens that in the winter the time becomes in some countries very short, and you just forget that the time is gone short, and you miss the prayer. So when you again, when you remember, you pray it immediately. The scholars differed on this issue. Is the person who prays this prayer late doing Qadr or not? Bear in mind there are two issues, there are two sort of modes of the prayer. Ada and qada. Ada is to perform the prayer on time. And qada is to make up a missed prayer. And it seems to me that the person who wakes up after Fajr, if they do so with a valid excuse, Is not doing Qadr. That this is not Qadr. This is Ala. Because this person is praying the prayer at the wrong time or the right time. They're praying the prayer at the right time for them. Because the Prophet commanded that if one of you sleeps or forgets, then the time for prayer is when he remembers. The hadith is if a person sleeps or forgets, then the time for prayer is when he remembers. So when is the time for prayer of the person who sleeps in for Fajr? The time is when they wake up. Therefore it's not qada because they're not praying outside of the prayer time of Allah. They're praying in the prayer time that is unique for them because of the excuse of sleeping in. And The reason for this is that later on we're going to end up talking about qada. And whether a person who deliberately makes up a prayer, deliberately misses a prayer, should he make it up or not? There are two opinions of the the scholars regarding this. A person who deliberately misses a prayer, not accidentally. And they deliberately choose not to pray. Should they do qada or not? Two opinions. The majority say that they should do qada. And the correct opinion and the opinion that I believe to be the Rajah is that they should not do qada. There is no qada for them. There is only tawbah. There is only tawbah. There is no qada for them. And there is only tawbah. And Allah knows best. Because Aslam, the the person who delays the prayer deliberately, their prayer is invalid. If they do qada, their prayer is batila. It's invalid. It's completely invalid. It's not accepted by Allah Therefore, we say there is no qaba, there is no such thing as making up a prayer late according to the stronger opinion. Because the prayer that is prayed outside of its time is not accepted from the one who deliberately misses the prayer. As for the one who accidentally misses the prayer, or the one who forgets or sleeps in, and bearing in mind the prophet says, only mentioned sleeping in and forgetting. Manama نَامَتْ al الصَّلَاةِ aw Whoever sleeps in or forgets. He did not say whoever sleeps in forgets or misses. He said whoever sleeps in or forgets, then the time for the prayer is when he remembers. This is not the case of the one who deliberately misses the prayer. So Allah and I think that the one who deliberately misses the prayer, this is the well-known opinion of our shaykh that the one who misses the prayer has no qala. The one who misses the prayer, their prayer is not accepted from them. No matter if they pray a hundred times, it will never be accepted from them. Rather they have only to make tawbah and to turn to Allah and to pray many sunnah prayers and many voluntary prayers to make up for this huge sin that they did. And many of the scholars consider that this is kufr al akbar. That deliberately missing a prayer takes you outside of Islam. That if you make a decision that I'm not going to pray asr today, you are no longer a Muslim. According to a a large group of the scholars. So the issue is khadir jiddan jiddan khadir. It's extremely, extremely dangerous. A person can leave Islam to the point that they have no Islam left in them by choosing to, to miss a prayer. The difference between us and them is the prayer. Whoever leaves it has disbelieved. This issue is so serious. Do not, do not give up. Wallahi, give up your wealth, give up your job, give up your family, but don't give up your prayer. Wallahi, so many people, they give up their prayer for their job. So many people, they give up their prayer for their family. Wallahi, this issue, it is better for you to eat sand from the floor than it is for you to miss one of these prayers. Do not get in this habit of my job, they don't let me pray. Leave the job today and don't even go tomorrow. If they don't allow you to pray, don't even go back tomorrow. Because if you die like that, you don't die as Muslim. According to the Ahadith Sahih Muslim, and the well-known from afar from the, the sahaba that we did not use to consider anyone who does who leaves anything to be Catholic except the one who leaves the prayer. This issue is so, so serious. So it's really, really important that the people never, ever, ever go into the habit of deliberately missing the prayer. And as we said, it seems the stronger opinion is that the one who deliberately misses the prayer cannot make it up, even if they want to. The only thing that they have to do is make tawbah and then to make so many voluntary prayers and optional prayers in order to ask Allah wa Jalla, to forgive them for missing that prayer. And if they make tawbah, Allah accepts it from them. Whoever makes tawbah, Allah wa Jalla, accepts it from them. Wa'amih qatah, we read this one. Oh, there's one issue. One more issue. كَمَا كَانَ يَسْنَعُ كُلَّ يَوْمُ This issue is that when you miss a prayer and you make it up, and you make up the, uh, you make up the uh, the Fajr prayer, for example, you recite aloud in the prayer because it says the Prophet said, "I prayed Fajr the exact same way that he prayed every other day," meaning he lengthened the prayer, he didn't short the prayer. He didn't read really like some of us do when we miss the prayer, we quickly, you know, and we remember that we quickly, you know, just read قُلُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ So that we quickly get it over. with. You know, if you miss the prayer, you read fajr the same way that you read every day. You read it aloud, you lengthen it, and so on and so on. وَلَمْ أَنْ شَابْرِنْ صلى الله عليه وسلم بِهَا وَلَهُ عِلْي عُمَرِ جَمَعَ عَذَيْنَ المغرب وَالْعِشَاءِ لِيَقَامَةٍ وَاحِدَ زَادَ أَبُوْ داود لِكُلِّ الصَّلَةِ وَفِي رِوَيَةِ اللَّهُ لَمْ يُنَادِ فِي وَاحِدَةٍ مِنْهُمَا This is the hadith of Jadr al- al- in the hadith of Hajj any of you saw Studied Hajj will know that Jabir ibn Abdullah described the entire Hajj of the Messenger of Allah s.a.w. from the time that he left Medina until the end of the Hajj, from beginning to end. And it's known as Hadith Jabir al-Tawil. It's the long Hadith of Jabir, the long Hadith of Jabir, anhuma, Jabir ibn Abdullah. And it has many 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 benefits in it, lots and lots of benefits in it. Uh, but this particular element is regarding muzdalifa muzdalifa is a place between Arafat and Mina. So on the ninth day of Dhul-Hijjah, the, the Muslims go to Arafat. They stay in Arafat until Maghrib. And they do not pray Maghrib in Arafat. They head towards Muzdarifah. And it's narrated that when the Prophet ﷺ was heading towards Muzdarifah, he left Arafat at Maghrib. When he was heading towards Muzdarifah, they said to him, O Messenger of Allah, As-Salaah, it's prayer time, it's prayer time, it's Maghrib time. He said, your prayer is ahead of you. Your <coughs> prayer is awaiting for you in Muzdarifah. So again, then he made wudu on the road, yani on the road between Arafat and Muzdalifah. And uh, he did not pray until he reached Muzdalifah. And in Muzdalifah, he prayed Maghrib and Isha. There are a few issues we want to deal with around this. First of all, why is Muzdalifah called Muzdalifah? Al-Izdilaf. Uh, it means an intipali. It means to move from one place to another. Allah said fail helped When you have moved as a crowd from Arafat, then stay and remember Allah at Al-Masha'i Al-Mash'ar there are two opinions with regard to what it means. Some of the scholars said al al-haram is muzdalifah and some of them said, it is a mountain in Muzdalifah. And I think this is the stronger opinion. that Al-Mash'ar, Al-Haram is a mountain in Muzdalifa. Because Allah said, In Al-Mash'ar al-Haram, meaning around Al-Mash'ar al-Haram. So a person heads from Arafat, they don't pray Maghrib in Arafat. And they keep on heading from Arafat towards Muzdalifa. And then they pray Maghrib al Isha at Isha time in Muzdalifa. The next issue is, what happens if the time for Isha is about to expire before you reach Musdarifah? And anyone who's has Hajj in the recent years knows the crowds are really difficult. It's really hard to get to Musdarifah before half the <coughs> night passes, because <coughs> there are so many crowds leaving, leaving Harafat. So what do you do? The scholars in this case say, when it approaches half of the night, like there's only half an hour left, you stop, you make wuḍū and you pray mother and Isha on the road between Arafat and Muzdalifah but you can't delay Isha beyond half of the night so you shouldn't delay Isha uh, and Isha until you reach uh, until you reach Muzdalifah if the time is going to expire the opposite is also a problem what happens if because you're on the train and you get on the first train you arrive at Muzdalifah at Maghrib time of course you can't leave the trains so don't leave Arafat until Maghrib but you arrived before Isha and the scholars of this differed because they differed should, was the intention of the Prophet to pray Maghrib and Isha at Isha time or was the intention of the Prophet to pray Maghrib and Isha in Muzdalifah yani had he reached Muzdalifah before Isha would he have prayed Maghrib and Isha then or would he have waited for Isha to pray Maghrib and Isha? In reality whichever you do is permissible It's permissible for you to pray Maghrib separately and Isha separately. And it's permissible for you to pray Maghrib and Isha at Isha time. And it's permissible for you to pray Maghrib and Isha at Maghrib time. All of these three are permissible. However, it seems to me, Allah that the best way of doing it, if you arrive in Muzdalifah, is as soon as you arrive in Muzdalifah, you pray Maghrib and Isha. Regardless of whether it's Maghrib time or Isha time. Of course the norm is if you leave Arafat at Maghrib you will not reach Muzdalifah until Isha time. However with you know maybe if you are on the first train you can reach Muzdalifah before Isha starts Although it's very unlikely even on the first train. But even if you did in this case I think the better thing to do is to pray Maghrib and Isha at Maghrib time join and then uh, go to sleep as is the Sunnah and then wake up pray Fajr and then make your du'a in the Masha'i al-Haram you will inshallah perhaps cover this if Allah makes it easy at some point to reach Kitab al-Hajj uh, The point of this hadith in this chapter بِهَا الْمَغْرِبُ وَالْعِشَاءِ أَذَانٍ واحد Okay, I've got a little, little test for guys this. See who's still awake. He prayed with one adhan and two iqamas. One Adhan, and two Iqamas, meaning, an Adhan before Maghrib, then an Iqama before Maghrib, then an Iqama before Isha. Everyone got that? Adhan before magh- like Adhan before praying Maghrib, then Iqama before praying Maghrib, then Iqama before praying Isha, then you are the Isha adhan. In the narration of, in the hadith of Ibn Umar he joined between al-Maghrib wal Isha with a single iqamah. What's the difference here? There's no mention of the aqamah. Although the aqamah is just not mentioned. I mean it doesn't mean that the aqamah is not there. Just the aqamah is not mentioned. And a single iqamah instead of two iqamahs. And this is only one event, it only happened once. Abu Dawood added in the hadith of Ibn Umar a single iqamah for each prayer. A single iqamah for each prayer. So again now we've gone sort of back to the first one, but we're still missing the adhan. So Ibn Umar in Sahih Muslim, and Ibn Umar in Sahih Muslim said, Maghrib al Isha with one iqamah. Ibn Umar in Abu Dawood we have Maghrib and Isha with a single iqama for every prayer. And in a wording in Abu Dawood لَمْ Yunadi, فِي وَاحِدَةٍ He did not call out in any of them. What does that instantly say to you? It says to you no adhan and no iqama. لَمْ يُنَادِ فِي وَاحِدَةٍ he did not call out any of them. The scholars have uh, in this a number of opinions. I think pretty much everyone is agreed that in terms of action, the action is on the hadith of Jabr. That the hadith of Jabr is the one that we act upon. We give the adhan once and then we give <coughs> the then we pray, then we give an qana, and then we pray. That is the al-amal al I And mean that's what we act upon. But the scholars differ in how to answer the hadith of Ibn Umar. A group of them said the hadith of Ibn Umar is Muttalib. It is what we call shaky. It has iqtiraat. Which means that there's too many contradictions in it. In one time there was no adhan. One time there was no adhan and no iqamah. One time there was no Adam, but there was one Iqama. One time there was no Adam, but there was an Iqama for everyone. So a group of them said, "Muktarid, get rid of it. Just cancel it out because it's it's contradictory. Each each narration contradicts the other. This is problematic in its own sense. But we're going to get into the science of Hadith. It's a little bit problematic in its own sense because this. The change of narration are not all equal in in, in, in strength. Then, if we say it's Mu'talib, that means that we reject the Hadith from Sahih Muslim. Which is no issue. I mean, we said Sahih Muslim has some Hadith that have some questionable issues. Nobody doubts that this happened. Nobody doubts that Ibn Umar narrated this Hadith Sahih. But, the... You know, was it one qama? Was it two qamas? These kind of things. There are areas in Sahih al Bukhari and Muslim where there are some criticisms of wordings. And they say, look, we agree the hadith of Ibn Umar as a hadith, yes, it's fine. It's not weak. But we don't agree with this one qama. And in this statement, one qama is incorrect, even though it's a Sahih Muslim. However, some of the scholars, and I personally think this is the the better opinion. Looked at these and said, none of these are really contradictory. If you look, if you read them in a certain way, none of them are really contradictory. Okay, the hadith of Jabir, there was an adhan and two iqamas. The hadith of Ibn Umar and Sahih Muslim, there was one iqama with the addition of Abu Dawood for every prayer. So in this case, we read the hadith of Sahih Muslim as being one iqamah for every prayer. Not one Iqama only, but one iqamah for every prayer. And we say, yes, there is a flaw in the hadith of Sahih Muslim, and the flaw is that the hadith is not mentioned in full. Obviously, an Imam Muslim didn't hear it in full from his teacher, and one of the narrators didn't hear it from his narrator, but at some point, the full hadith was one iqamah for every prayer and maybe the narrator himself didn't mention it you know, it, it doesn't have to be Imam Muslim it could be given umar himself because when you're telling a story again and again and again sometimes you skip a word or two you know you're saying this happened and there was, you know, we, we prayed one Iqama, and you mean to say one Iqama for every prayer. so it may be that sometimes the Quran narrated it like this and sometimes the Quran narrated it like that but ultimately we come to the conclusion that the meaning of the Hadith in every Muslim, in Sahih Muslim is one Iqama for every prayer. طيب What do we do with the narration? There was no call in any one of them. There was no call in any one of them. This one is more problematic. But it's possible, and and Allah and maybe I'm stretching it, maybe I'm stretching it, but I think it's possible to read it as, there was no adhan in one of the two prayers. لَمْ يُنَادِ فِي وَاحِجَةٍ There was no aman in the Ishaqah. maybe not. But in any case, uh, at worst, we can, we can take away this final wording from Abu Dawood and say that this wording is weak, and we can simply take the hadith of Sahih Muslim and need to understand it in the light of the hadith of Jah. However, what we do understand, there is no difference whatsoever among the scholars that the action is the action of the hadith of jajal one adhan, and two in and Allah is best. Uh, very very quickly let's just take the next hadith and then we'll finish insha'Allah وعن ابن عمر وعائشة رضي الله عنهم قال, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إِنَّ بلالا يُؤَذِّمُ بليل فَكُلُوا وَاشْرَبُوا حَتَّى يُنادِيَ ابن أمّ مكتوم، وكان رجلاً أعمى لا ينادي حتى يقال له أصبحت أصبحت. متفق عليه وفي آخره إدراج. From Ibn Umar and Aisha رضي الله عنهم that they both said the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said indeed Bilal gives the Adhan at night, Ali e. gives the Adhan before Fajr. So eat and drink until Ibn Umni Aqtun gives the adhan. This is the hadith of the Prophet The next phrase is what we call mudraj. What is mudraj? Mudraj is when a phrase is added to a hadith when it doesn't come from the Prophet or it doesn't come from the speaker. I'm just going to simplify it. It's when something is added onto the hadith by error. So it's added that the Prophet said, he was a blind man who did not give the adhan until it was said to him, Fajr has come, Fajr has come, I mean the morning has come, the morning has come. And the hadith متفق عليه. This statement, وكان رجل أعمى, he was a blind man, is the statement of the Zuhri, Rahimullah Ta'ala. And it's correct, It's not issue But the important thing is to note that it was not the statement of the Prophet ﷺ. It was the statement of a Zuhri uh, who said, who was explaining the hadith, saying that he was a blind man who did not give the adhan until someone said to him, Asbah, Asbah, the morning has come, the morning has come. So he wouldn't give the adhan until somebody said, the morning has come, the morning has come. Let's just explain this a little bit, um, because I think I I explained, definitely I made a mistake when I explained this the first time. There were two Adhan, two Adhats for Salat Fajr, But they were not like the two Adhans that we hear these days with a gap in between. Rather it's narrated that one of them would climb on the mimba and give the Adhan and then he would climb down and immediately afterwards the other one would climb on the Mimbar and give the adhan. So the two adhan's were next to each other. And both of them had <laughs> Both of them had as salatu khayrun min min This is something I looked into. Uh, because I understood that the first adhan didn't have as salatu khayrun But this is not correct to the point that Shaykh al-Alban he said taking as-salatu khayrun min al out of the first adhan is a bid'ah. Rather both of the adhan should have as-salatu khayrun min al And the majority of the scholars hold that it's not permissible to give the first adhan a long time before Fajr. Except for the Hanabila, who say that it can be given any time after half of the night. But the stronger opinion is that it should be given together. And the mu'adhin should be different. So, the first muhaddan is Bilal and Bilal used to give the Adam before the Fajr time had started. Why did Bilal used to give the Adam before the Fajr time had started? The Prophet gave two reasons. Number one, in order to wake up the sleeping person. Because if you are asleep and then you need to make a or you need to take a long time to wake up, then it's hard when the Fajr Adam goes off you guys know what it's like. The Fajr Adhan goes up, it's hard to wake up, get ready, make wudu, get out of the house, get to the masjid and pray Fajr. Whereas if someone gives the Adhan, let's say 10 minutes before Fajr, that allows you to get up, wake up, get ready, especially here the second Adhan wakes you up even more, then you can go and get ready. So the first Adhan, the first purpose of it is, to wake up the sleeping person. And the second purpose of it is, for the one who is praying tahajr, to stop praying their tahajr and pray their wittah. Or to stop, if they are praying their with, to hurry it up so that they can finish and be ready before the Fajr Adhan starts. And for the fasting person who hasn't eaten, this is the third purpose, for the fasting person who hasn't eaten, to be able to uh, eat something quickly before the the next Adhan. And this shows you the innovation that some people do of making the Fajr for fasting two times, a time locked with Imsaq, a time when you stop eating, and a time when you uh, you know your Fajr starts. Like you have in some timetables, Imsaq. Imsaq is at this time and Fajr is at this time. This is a bid'ah that we don't know any value for. This hadith is clearly, clearly refuting this. That the companions would eat and drink until Ibn Ummi Maktoum gave the adhan. And yani until the adhan that came after, they said to him, Asbahat, Asbahat, the morning has come, the morning has come. Until he gave the adhan, the companions would eat and drink. So when Bilal was giving the adhan, maybe five minutes before Fajr, ten minutes maximum before Fajr, when Bilal was giving the adhan, ten minutes before Fajr, after that, in that 10 minutes, between Bilal, giving the Adam, and between Ibn Ummi Maktoum, giving the adhan, the companions will eat and drink. The Prophet said, eat and drink until Ibn Ummi Maktoum gives the adhan." So this is a proof against this concept of imsak, this concept that you have to stop eating 15 minutes before fajr. Rather, the sunnah is that you continue eating until the Mu'addim gives the Adam. Until you hear the muadhin say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, that is the muadhin who gives the adhan at the right time. And as we said, according to the correct thing, there's no difference between the two adhan. Both of them are the same, and both of them are given at pretty much the same time. And in some of the narrations it's mentioned, the only gap between them would be the gap that it took Bilal to climb down and Ibn Ummi Maktum to climb up. In just a few minutes, a couple of minutes, by the time Bilal finished, said his dua came down. Then Ibn the tomb, they said to him, the time has come, it's back. the time has come that he would climb up and he would give the anan. you can see, it's only a couple of, of minutes, <coughs> just a very short period. We're not going to give an exact time, but not a long time, you know, a few minutes only in between the two anan. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Bilal gives the anan while it is still night. So eat and drink until Ibn Umi Maktoum gives the Adhan. And this is the Sunnah. The two people to give the Adhan in the Masjid at Fajr. It's not necessary for two to do it, but it's a Sunnah. And they should be different people. One should give it five or ten minutes before the Fajr time, and one should give it at the Fajr time. And the people should know by the difference in the voice. And Allah knows best. As we said, this extra line uh, that he was a blind man, this is from uh, Al Imam al Zuhari. Uh, and Allah uh, knows best. Uh, from so inshallah we'll stop there. And uh, we will continue. We have two. We might be able to finish next week. I was hoping to finish Bab al Adam next week and begin with Bab Shurat al Salah. The chapter of the conditions of the prayer. So, if we can finish that next week, then uh, the next chapter is extremely important, uh, which is the chapter of conditions for the prayer. Uh, but inshallah, we have about three pages left until we reach that. We will try to finish all of that next week if we can, so that we can immediately start with uh, the following week with uh, and Allah is the short salah. wa